But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Thanks, Catherine. Good evening, everybody. Good to see you all. Well, we've come to the end of our short series on work. And uh, as I've been saying throughout uh, the series, um, by work, we don't just understand paid employment, but the activity that each one of you does during the week in whatever situation that God has placed you. So far in this series, we have looked at praising God for the fulfillment of work, how God himself enjoys work, how he made people to share in the joy of work. We've looked at trusting in God in the stress of work, recognizing that work has been impacted by the fall, 
to the extent it is now characterized by, by pain and hardship, by difficult relationships. And yet we also saw how Jesus came to deal with sin, and that if we trust in him, he will remove the worries of work, the fear of people, and help us to deal with our relationship issues. And last week we looked at focusing on, on God in our motivation for work. We asked the question, what is it that makes you get up in the morning? And we saw how the Bible warns us against making a name for ourselves in our work and instead calls us to honour the name of Christ in our work. We saw how we've been redeemed by Christ. We now belong to him, which means that our identity is in him. It's not in our work. We were also redeemed to do good. And we learned that each one of us can make a difference if we acknowledge that like Esther in the Old Testament, we've been called by God to our particular situation for such a time as this. Well, this evening we're going to go into a little bit more detail about uh, what it means to be redeemed to do good. And in particular, how can we be faithful witnesses in our attitude to work? The workplace is a great place for witness um, because you're not having to, to build new relationships. The relationships are already in place. You've developed them through your regular contact, whether it's through daily working along, alongside somebody or meeting people for, for weekly activities that you may be get involved with. Some of those people may have never dreamt of attending church, of coming to an evangelistic event. But they know you. You may be their only contact with the gospel. And they can't avoid you. Um, they may not want to enter a conversation about Christianity with you, but um, they can't avoid seeing you live for Christ in the workplace. If we are Christians, I'm sure each one of us will want those with whom we come into contact during the week to share that same joy that we have in Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? We don't want to be Bible bashers. We, we don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. How do we do it in a natural and yet intentional way? Well, hopefully this passage in 1 Peter uh, 2 will give us some encouragements this evening. And the first thing we need to be clear about is that if we are Christians, then we are different. Verse 9, as Caroline read out earlier, says, You are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What makes a Christian different from anyone else is that he or she has been called by God. We have received God's mercy. We deserve his punishment, but we have received his love. We don't deserve God's love any more than anyone else, but we have been privileged to have been called to belong to his people. And acknowledging, therefore, that we, we are different from those around us, how should we live as strangers in the world and in particular in our workplaces? Well, firstly, actually, to use that difference and win people over by our different behavior. 
We need to recognize that our difference is a, is a positive thing. Our natural human tendency is we, we want to belong. We don't want to, to stand out. That's why when we're children or our teenagers, we, we find it hard at school, not just um, standing out as Christians, but standing out for any reason. Um, we, don't, we want to be part of the crowd. We don't want to feel embarrassed. As we get older, we become less bothered by this, but there's still something in us that, that wants to feel that we are part of the, the gang. We don't want people to think that somehow Christians are weird, so we try to be like everyone else. And in many things, we are just the same in terms of our basic human needs, in terms of our willingness to work hard, to be successful, in terms of our need for social interaction. But we also have to accept, as it says here, that we are foreigners and we are exiles. We belong to a different kingdom. We serve a different God. So what are the differences and how can they be a positive thing rather than a negative thing? Well, have a look at verse 11. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. The difference we can show is that we abstain from sinful desires. There's a clear link here between living good lives, doing good deeds, and abstaining from sinful desires. It's similar to the instructions that Peter gives to wives, uh, the wives of unbelieving husbands in chapter 3. There he says in verse 1 of chapter 3, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that... If any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Peter's saying, your greater beauty is not your your outer beauty. It's not how well you dress yourself, how well you, you make yourself up. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. It's not only of great worth in God's sight, it's also of great worth in the sight of someone who doesn't know God, even if they can't explain it, because we're all made in the image of God. We still appreciate that beauty of character when we see it. What exactly does that look like? How can we be different in the workplace through our behavior? Well, the biggest difference is that we are not focused on ourselves when nearly everybody else is. And that can take all sorts of different forms, can't it? If you're not focused on yourself, you're focused on others. Um, that shows itself as in the way we work. Uh, it can be simple things. Um, it can be something like punctuality. You arrive on time for a meeting because you're showing respect for others. You don't want to waste their time. I say that as someone who's by nature a a bit of a last-minute person. It can be showing kindness uh, to those from whom we gain nothing. I was speaking to someone recently, and asked her, who who are you praying for in uh, in your workplace? And they replied, the security guard. You know, it's the security guard, someone you, you just pass on the way into work, 
and flash a, maybe a security pass to? Or do you treat them as a person? Do you interact with them? Do you engage with them? Showing kindness may be helping someone in their work when they're, they're struggling. Even when we, we don't get any recognition for that. Maybe it delays in us in what we need to get done. Our conscientiousness. Do you cut corners? Do you get away with, with what you can? Because that's what is done. Um, do you take a sickie now and again? Because again, that is the done thing. Or do you work conscientiously? Do people see the difference in your, difference in your attitude to work? Your integrity. Do you work with great honesty? Do people trust you when they ask you to do something? If the firm is following unethical practices, do you silently go along with that? Or do you, do you stand up against it, even at the risk of losing your job? A positive attitude. In many workplaces, or not just workplaces, but for you, it may be the, the school gate. It may be the, the wreck where you go and walk the dog. Um, maybe your U3A class. Maybe just bumping into somebody in Waitrose. When people meet so often, they'll just have a moan, won't they? Um, because that is human nature. It's a big part of our culture. And it's easy to join in with, isn't it? Um, we've all got a story to tell of someone uh, who let us down, something that went wrong. What are actually about showing gratitude for all that God has given you? Having a positive attitude. That will make a difference. People will notice that. Win people over by your different behavior. Another way in which we can show we are different is our attitude towards authority and our response when we are treated unjustly. What Peter calls us to do here is to submit to authority, even if it means enduring unjust treatment. Have a look at verse 13. Carries on, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Submission is quite an alien concept in today's society, isn't it? Because it's about accepting the authority of another. And because of our, our sinful way of thinking, we associate authority with, with power and status rather than servant leadership, rather than responsibility. And in our highly individualistic society where we want to be in control... We're not willing to allow somebody else to be in control of us. But look how the passage continues in verse 18. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong? And endure it. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. 
quite other word translated slaves here is more like uh, domestic servants, which most slaves were in those times. They were generally well treated, often included uh, managers, tradesmen, doctors, um, nurses, teachers. They were normally paid for their services and could expect eventually to purchase their freedom. But ultimately, they were not free to come and go. Their status was lower than others in Roman society. So there's no exact comparison with anything today. But you could apply it to the situation of employee. Um, An employee may be free to, to resign, but whilst working, they're subject to various terms and conditions in their contract of employment. They're not free to simply do what they want to do. The thing is, as Christians, we accept that the one who has ultimate authority over us is God. And that's why it says here in verse verse 17, fear God. And in verse 18, slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. Living your lives in reverent fear of God is the general theme of the whole letter here. Um, The reason Peter gives in verse 19 for someone to endure suffering in the workplace is that he's conscious of God. And the message here for us today is that we should accept the authority of our boss, do what he, she asks you to do with all respect for their position. But fear God before you fear your boss. Many of you will have worked for harsh bosses or companies um, that are harsh with their employees. You may still do. And the tough message here is to submit to them even if they are harsh. To receive unjust treatment is commendable before God. To be disciplined for your poor attitude or your laziness is not commendable. You deserve it as a poor witness for Christ. But often... When we get our heads down, when we do a good job, when we show kindness to our colleagues and and are treated unfairly, what do we do in that situation? Well, actually, it's when we experience injustice, when we are treated unfairly, that we have the biggest opportunity to witness for Christ. What is the reason why we should accept that mistreatment? Well, have a look at verse 21. It says, to this you were called to this way of suffering, this life of suffering, you were called. Peter has already talked about the calling that the Christian has received. We mentioned it earlier on. He has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So there is this wonderful sense of being called into the wonderful light, being called to inherit a blessing. But then we're told told we're called to suffer. Now, that's not a great incentive, is it, to, to be a Christian? It's been like the, the advert um, that the Acts 29 network put out for interns uh, a few years ago. A bit different from the advert we put out here, Aaron. Um, this is what they put out. They put out, we are looking for men and women to work hard in fledgling churches in difficult situations. There will be small reward, constant confusion and frustration. It will be misunderstood, misrepresented and, and maligned. You will receive training and mentoring in an Acts 29 Europe church plant, which will equip you for a life of unknown, unsung, heart-wrenching, and often unfruitful ministry. Great. Why would you want to, to work for them? Because it carries on, and you will receive an undying joy and wonder 
in the presence of Jesus Christ. You will be a nobody who has nothing to offer, but you will follow Jesus and you will need nothing else. Why are we called to suffer? Because Christ suffered for us. Christ suffered for a purpose. Purpose is there in verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were all like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Christ died for a purpose. He died to bear your sins. But Christ also died to set us an example. To this you recall because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. What exactly were the steps that he took? What is the example that we should follow? Is it that we should also die for others? Well, we can't achieve what Christ achieved for us on the cross. We're not God. So how can we follow him and that example? Well, the steps that Christ took were steps of obedience to the Father. The Father sent the Son to die. The Son went willingly because the Son submitted himself to the will of the Father. He didn't go begrudgingly. He didn't go under duress, but he he went because he too loved the world that he was sent to die for. When he went, he first lived a perfect obedient life. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. But we're told when they held their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And that is the example we need to to follow. We can't live a perfect life, but we we can seek with God's help to, to live a good life. But in terms of the unjust treatment, we are called to not retaliate, but instead to entrust ourselves into God's hands. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't put right injustice. If there is abuse, if there is discrimination going on in the workplace, then we we should point it out. It's not a command to turn a deaf ear to injustice. But where we are mistreated, where we feel aggrieved, isn't the temptation often to, to respond in a sinful way? Temptation to be resentful, to, to be rebellious, to be full of self-pity, despair. And that may mean we are tempted to undermine our boss, to work the minimum, to, to moan to others, to resign in a huff. Instead, we are called to respond in a way that is conscious of God, which means we are aware of his presence, his, his never-failing care, And we trust that he will ultimately right all wrongs. As we endure suffering, we become more like Christ. And as we demonstrate our trust in him, we will attract others to him. Which brings us on to our final point. Always be prepared to give an answer. So far we've seen how our witness for Christ is through our behaviour. But that is not enough in itself. At some point, we need to be ready to tell people what the gospel is. 
If we don't, then people may misinterpret our behavior. They may think he or she is only behaving in that way. Maybe they think they're going to earn their their way to heaven. Maybe they believe that um, if they don't behave that way, God will punish them. Or maybe they just think of us as a good person. They must be very self-disciplined. They must have very high values. Or negatively, they may think of us as a, as a bit of a doormat, a sucker for punishment. Somebody who's maybe just not ambitious, who doesn't fight his corner. Our behavior can be open to all sorts of misunderstandings. And therefore, we need to explain our behavior by pointing people to Christ. Verse 15 of chapter 3 says this, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. The implication of this is that people will see that you are different, and they want to know why. If they don't see that you're any different, then they won't ask, will they? What does that look like in practice? Well, maybe uh, you haven't received the recognition you deserve for your work. Um, And somebody asks you, doesn't that just seem a bit unfair to you? Now, you you can be honest. um, Yes, it does seem a, a bit unfair. But where do you go with that next? Do you complain? which would be the normal reaction? Or do you say, but actually life in this world is unfair. Maybe there are good reasons that I haven't been recognized for that. I'm just grateful that I have a father in heaven who cares for me, who looks after all my needs. I trust in him for my future. Maybe somebody stabs you in the back in the workplace and another colleague who knows about what has happened asks, what are you going to do about it? You can't just leave that. Again, you can be honest, uh, it makes me cross. But just as God has forgiven me for all those things that I have done wrong, I forgive him or her. Take an interest in other people's lives. About Take an interest in their hurts, their, their, their hang-ups. If you are going through tough times, be honest about that. Show your, your vulnerability and others will open up their, their lives to you. And they will also ask you, how is it you cope with your illness or your grief or your, your parenting problems or wherever it is? Again, keep pointing them back to God. That he loves us, that he is in control. That he offers us hope for the future. Because that's what people want to know. Because in their lives, they may be feeling unloved, they may be feeling out of control. They may be feeling hopeless. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We have hope. That is what makes us different. Also, again, practically speaking, have an answer ready when people ask you that Monday morning question. So what did you get up to over the weekend? If they don't know you go to church, well, it's a great opportunity, isn't it, to tell them about the fact that you go to church on a Sunday. 
But if they do know, don't, don't just say, oh, well, I went to church, as usual, sort of thing I do every Sunday, you know I do that. Um, otherwise, they won't ask anymore, will they? <laughs> They've been asking him because he just goes to church. But they fill it in a bit. Well, well, yeah, we went to church, and interestingly enough, we were looking at what the Bible says about work. And um, did you know work was part of God's original plan for creation? It's a good thing. It was only in the fall that it became more stressful, but... When God comes and recreates this world, it will again be as it was intended to be, a wonderful pastime. There's lots of ways in which we can talk about church. Or you could say, well, we had a, um, a new couple come into membership this morning. It's wonderful. Um, uh, uh, Cal and Tash just moved into the village. Um, they live down uh, on the hilltop. Um, he works for Christians in Sport, and uh, she's uh, training to be a teacher. To engage with them, show people that, that church is a family. It's a wonderful thing what you do when you go to church. Well, as we come to the end of uh, not just this sermon, but the end of this series, I do hope it's been helpful. And if there's one key message I would like you to take away, it is that whatever God has called you to do during the week is important to him. And as a church, we want to support you in that. Uh, we want to equip you to be more faithful in your witness for him. Because you're an ambassador for Christ. So pray for your colleagues. Pray for those people you come into contact with during the week in those different situations. Um, in your home groups, ask others to pray for you and your witness. Pray for your courage. Pray for your opportunities. Um, pray for those people who are on your hearts. Mention your colleagues by name. And remember these words from Colossians, that whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Before we have our last song, it will be good to pray for for one another. Um, Maybe just get into twos and threes or people around you and um, if you prefer to sit just silently that's fine as well and pray but how can you be a better witness for Christ this week in your workplace or whatever you, your plans are for this week how can you, you show in your behaviour how can you proclaim the name of Christ who are those people who are on your hearts that you long to see come to salvation let's spend a few minutes um, just praying before the band come and leave us in our final, final song